Billy Lord apparently had a baby. And then... Mandy Moore, oh, I have a baby? You guys, yes. you guys, wait, did I tell you that I psychically knew Mandy was pregnant? Oh, no. no. Oh, my God. everybody. Hi, it's me. It's me. I'm Busy Phillips. And this is Busy Phillips is doing her best. Am I doing my best? We're about to find I, out. I think so. I'm, jo- I'm joined by Shantira Jackson. Hi. Casey St. Ange. Hello. We had some technical issues. But honestly, it only took about 17 minutes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you have not had a hard time with uh, what is this? A SD card? Are you even living? Like I don't know. I just feel like in the last in the last bit of time, as we've all done, uh, Zoom, Zoom, Zooming, Zooming, everything, therapy, work meetings, pitches, mm-hmm. meeting boy potential suitors. I would imagine people are doing that. Yeah. Um. There's there have been some mishaps. I'm sure. Well, I'm here. I'm going to start. I want to start with what I'm not doing my best at this week. Just real fast. Just okay. get out of the way. Turns out I'm not a company bitch. I forgot that when you agree to work for a corporation, you're not allowed to just post on your Instagram stuff without asking them first. And so I had <laughs> so I had written that I wanted to talk about my new job. And I really do and want to tell the whole story and everything. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I, and I posted on my Instagram, like tune into this week's podcast and I'm going to tell you all about my new job. And it's so exciting. And I got like four texts as soon as it went up from different people involved saying, so you know you actually can't um, do that because uh, the studio wants to make the thing. And I was like, ugh, it's so antiquated. What's wrong everybody, with everybody? Everybody wants to be Lauren Michaels. Like- I know, but it's like, <laughs> but also it's like, this is just such a different time. And I feel like it has, I feel like people, it's again, Casey and I talked so much about it in regards to busy tonight, like what ends up happening at really large places of employment is people justifying their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Casey, am I being mean? Is this too mean? No. Um, I don't think so. I'm not Casey. But but I also think that that is not even just big companies. There's small everywhere has a person where you're just like, your only job is to bother me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because it feels like, because it also feels like if you're like thinking critically about entertainment and media and there's so many, I mean, the joke from Kimmy Schmidt, did you guys watch Kimmy Schmidt by the way? Or just not? I didn't watch all all of it. I didn't finish it. There's like a really funny joke in one of the last couple seasons, I can't remember which one, about like, they make up a streaming service that Titus is on a show on this like made up streaming (laughs) service because they're like, no one will ever know. Like, you know, there are so many. And that actually has become very true. You know, like who, what are all these services? What are these places where people can watch things? And so I do feel a little bit like the old way of kind of doing things in terms of like, 
we have a plan of how we're going to announce a thing like through deadline. Like who cares? Just let the people, if they have, they're going to, they want to exploit my platform when the show comes out, I'm sure. That's my problem with it. It's like, I built this thing by myself. I didn't have a fucking, like my internet presence, my Instagram and all of, all of this, all of this, like I didn't have a consultant. I didn't have like a a team of people helping me to decide like when I should talk to people about certain things or or hold back or whatever. And then the, and then the issue, and then they all respond to that and they like businesses and corporations and studios and networks and whatever. And then, and they want to use it to their advantage, i.e. like connecting with you guys, um, listeners fans, friends. (laughs) However, they then all of a sudden don't trust me enough to know what the right way to do it would be and like how it would get the most people sort of like excited and on board and like want to be a part of it. I don't know. Seems a little bit like there's a miss, there's a missed (laughs) thing there, you know, like we're taking a leap. Am I wrong? A company is just like, a company is like everything. It's just like the world at large. The only thing is that like people have differing opinions and then they get codified into like policy for the company. But you and I have even had things where you're like, I don't think you should like, you know, when we're working on something, you're like, I don't think you should announce that because it'll distract like from this other thing or whatever. And then like between you and I, we're like, okay, you know, then I won't or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like that on a corporate level where you're not able to have... A conversation I, with that person to well, be like, you can't, I genuinely believe that everything that pisses us off is because one person fucked up the whole bag for everybody. It's like, <laughs> have you? That's what it is. It's like I have you ever like been in a meeting and then like somebody be like, and yeah, on Tuesdays, don't don't flush tacos down the toilet, and you'll be like, wait, what? That's <laughs> you a did rule? that. You're right, and you're like, that's a rule because somebody somebody fucked up bad and they were like now there's all these rules you'd be like well that's common sense i wouldn't i wouldn't flush all my tacos down the toilet on tuesday and they'd be like yeah you think that huh but that's why we have a well, rule that's now. interesting <laughs> that's actually like a really good point and you know i was on dawson's creek at the wb it's I now love the cw WB. i love the i WB. was on dawson's <laughs> creek after post uh carrie russell cutting all her hair off yeah right and if you guys don't know what this is, basically the show Felicity starred Carrie Russell, who's genius. You know her from the Americans, probably if you don't know her from Felicity, although if you don't know her from Felicity, why are we even friends? Um, <laughs> why are we had, even friends is also a good shirt. <laughs> ooh, why are we even friends? Okay. Um, and she had this like incredible hair, like the hair that you dream of. Actually, not dissimilar to one Miss Cricket Silverstein's hair, I will say. <laughs> yeah, Although, curly, beautiful. Curly she, was a white gr- she was a white girl who really appreciated her curls. In she the loved 90s, her curls. It was hard pressed to find a white girl who wasn't mm-hmm. straightening them, at least not in Tallahassee. So she she had curly <laughs> hair and she was on board with it. She's and, the mermaid. And the show was a big deal and it mm-hmm. like came out hot and then... And her hair is just gorgeous. And it's about her going to NYU, going to college, basically to follow like a guy Some she boy. had a crush on from high school. <laughs> and she, that's how she, and she like changes the, the course of her whole life for that. And then um, before the second season, she wanted to sh- 
chop her hair off. And the executive producer of the show was like, actually, that's kind of cool. Like, that's a cool idea. And she chopped her hair off. Teeny, like a pixie cut. I mean, again, guys, late 90s. But also true to form for a freshman in college who goes to NYU. Totally. If anything, she was doing, she was meta. She got to NYU and she fucking shaved her head sophomore year. (laughs) (laughs) So she chops all her hair off and, and then I think also there was extenuating circumstances like they changed the time that the show was on. This is like pre-DVR, whatever. Mm -hmm. There were other shows that came out that year against it that were more competitive. We don't know. But basically the ratings went down for Felicity and then the network decided that it had to do with the fact that she chopped her hair off. For real. Right. Right. And they blamed it. (laughs) it on the hair. And then I was on the WB after that And like, you could not cut your hair without getting permission. It was like a contractual thing. Like none of us could change, you couldn't change the hairstyle that you had as a woman. I'm sure the men were able to do whatever the fuck they wanted. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's so tacos. And that's fairly standard, you know, that that your appearance, you're at least supposed to usually talk it over with your producers. But it seems like, I'm curious, I would, I would uh, read a deep dive article on that. Yeah. There is I, one, I, I think. Oh, is I would, there? Okay, yeah. I'll look it up. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think do, she did talk to the producers. I'm I, sure. I do think that there is that anytime, because when you have common sense, when you're like, I think at least moderately intelligent, when you get a, a, even like no shoes, no shirt, no service. I'd be like, why would I walk into a grocery store with no <laughs> shoes and no shirt on? And then you're like, because at one point it was enough people doing that that they were like, we got to make a rule and put it on the door. Like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> so like anytime I see a bullshit rule, I genuinely am like, but like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to I the... Mean, who, did, but, who hurt you? Who did Yeah, it? I was going to say, people are still trying to do no shirt, no shoes, no service. When I worked at 30 Rock... Max Weinberg from Conan O'Brien's band used to walk down the hallway with his shirt off because the NBC gym was on my floor and I'd be like... That's gross. He, why can he do that here but not at 7-Eleven? I don't know. So I just feel like a lot of people are just dying to have their shirts off. I think that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking of which, wait, we're just, now I'm skipping around. We don't have to skip around. Well, anyway, so I'm not, I'm not, never mind. I'm not skipping around. Cut that out. Okay. So it it turns out I'm not good at being a company bitch, which is why A, I have said that I quit acting and I don't want to do it anymore. That truly. B, why Casey and I had been trying to work on figuring out how to do things on our own terms. Um, and if it hadn't been for that damn global pandemic, we would have gotten away with it too. Um, and see, I do have a job that I am dying to tell you guys all, all of you, all the story and what it is and what is happening. And I can't yet. So I will when I can. And look, it's possible that like tomorrow I'll get the email that's like, it's out so you can announce it now it's like that's going to be annoying for me but um (laughs) we'll talk about it next week then so i'm not great at that but i had a reminder i'll do better i hope you guys can wait with now i feel like it's lame it's it's 
it's going to be anticlimactic, but whatever. We can't say we can't say lame anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like ableist. I've been trying to be better. Yeah, it's enough. It's enough people mad about it that I wouldn't touch it. (laughs) Ableist. Well, that's fine. We don't. Okay, so I no. I mean, I don't want to be. I like truly have no desire to be. Well, that is a. It is a. It is a thing that is hard because so many things like um like blind spot, fallen on deaf ears, ears tone um, deaf, powwow. Mm-hmm. These are all things that I've learned in the last year. Mm-hmm. And Spirit it's like, animal, which a lot yeah. of people comment a lot, a lot on my Instagram about my daughter Cricket. Like she is my spirit animal. And I didn't realize that that's, that it's not, that it's, um you know, not okay and appropriation um, until several years ago when somebody like explained it to me. And once you know, you know. So I'm telling you right now, guys, I'm telling you. I'm trying to keep up. But like, I've been like, ever since we we all watched Disclosure, I've been like really, really trying to be a better trans ally. And then I just got this book called um, Disability Visibility. I truly like never in a million years thought of, tone deaf as being like rude or blind spot being rude and it's like oh but you have to be open I am just like I'm a black woman from the south like if I can be open to criticism and being wrong I think everybody should and it's like yeah I learned I've been learning a lot of shit that I just did not know was yeah like inappropriate (laughs) also Shantira I just want to say I think that's amazing of you because also as a black woman from Tampa or whatever. <laughs> like you could you could also be like, I don't have to learn a fucking thing. Do you know what I mean? Like you could yeah. close yourself off and you haven't. And I appreciate that. And we all can do better. Casey is the person that probably taught me that. Like it's really, really truly. hard though. Because like there is something new to learn all the time. And like all I also am finding that like I didn't grow up with a lot of um, disabled people in my community or just right. like just in differently general. abled. Yeah. We're not supposed to say disabled. I believe it's differently abled. I, well, here's the thing. People read the book, read the book. I'll read the book because also <laughs> some people who are have said that they didn't like that. So like I just am just like, I'm just going to try to be better. <laughs> yeah. I think- I think you got to give yourself credit for trying to be better. A lot of these things kind of are a matter of opinion and sometimes mm-hmm. you'll get differing opinions and yeah. then you have to decide, you know. Um, but I think like I usually just try to say thanks for letting me know if someone lets me know and hope that people know my heart and know that like I would never intentionally say something harmful, but yeah. also intention intent doesn't matter it's the impact and so when I say something that the impact hurts somebody then it's on me to like try to do better but I just hope that for the most part people are always giving us a chance to do better that's what happened with that Instagram post that I thought was like making that like truly made me laugh last week that I posted it made me laugh too because I didn't I don't ever play music ever I, I was in bed with Cricket because, guys, here's the other thing. We were finding a new place to move into, and she's going to have a bedroom that doesn't have scary artwork on it, but <laughs> she sleeps legit on top of me every night now. Like, Aww. she can't. She's too She's too freaked out. She's freaked out. I get it. She's a baby. She's seven. But um, she's, like, in bed with me asleep, so I look at Instagram, no sound, obviously. Yes. 
Yeah. And I thought, I like, it never registered to me that I, you guys, I posted this video a friend sent me that when I watched it, I was like, thought it was so amazing. Cause it was funny. It's funny with no to, sound. It's funny with no sound. This dude was like trying to film a thirst trap of him getting out of the sea. And just like at the last second, as he's like glistening, this woman just like flies directly behind him, like photobombing him into the ocean, like carefree, having the best time. And it just looked like the juxtaposition of just like him trying to be so fucking cool and her being like, I'm living my life, you know, was like made me lol and then I reposted it because it was just like has been such a hard time I and I never by the way also I never do that if you follow me on Instagram you know I very rarely will post like a meme or a like yeah share a video but I did because it like made me laugh I went to bed I woke up the next morning early here on the east coast and I had a text from Shantira that was like dude the song playing is from the movie Free Willy. You need to take that down. Like people are, no, you didn't say you need to take that down. You're like, people are saying that she's a whale. Like that's fucked up or something like that. Yeah. I can read it. I don't know. Yeah. But it was truly, I watched it with no sound and I was like, I love a photo bomb. I love it. And then I went back to it and truly while I was scrolling, I accidentally tapped it. And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then I texted you immediately. And it was like, so many people also um, were posting uh, the same thing. It's just being like, I didn't listen to the sound. And it was like, fuck. It's just like, you can't enjoy yourself without being very thorough. <laughs> like, truly, <laughs> that's where we're at. It's just like, I laughed. Let me open this all the way and see what's going on. Because you would never know. Because also, we're I felt not. Really, I felt really stupid. I like, I felt really dumb. I did cry, of course. Um, but mostly then I looked at, I read comments and stuff and I just felt terrible. I just felt like, yeah, that's the thing. Like I didn't, it wasn't to me in viewing it with the sound off and somebody was like, even with the sound off, it's, um, you know, I, like fat shaming and whatever. And I was like, I disagree, but I also maybe not in a position to say that, but right. I mean, I, yeah, I, I I can see the point of someone saying Me that too. because like yeah. the reason why the reason why people are like oh this is so funny is cuz it's like a bigger woman who's just like living her life despite like society's you know rule I don't know that you does she f- it doesn't okay not to be crazy but which you're also not supposed to say yeah we're not oh, supposed to say crazy motherfucker <laughs> what well, guys but if I you, always just like, say bonkers now. <laughs> bonkers, but you know what? That, it's the this same is thing. Like a weird, this yeah. is another rabbit hole. Like bonkers yeah. means crazy, not mentally well. So you okay. know what I mean? It's like it's like when you know they named uh, sh- that Shrek movie Shrek happens, and I'm like, everybody knows you're like making a pun about shit, even yeah. though you said Shrek. But anyway, okay. No, I'm saying I didn't. Okay, this is going to sound. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but I didn't, I, I didn't look at her body. Like I didn't notice her body as being a part of it. And then when I did after the whole thing, I was like, kind of just looks like me. Like I, it, she just looks athletic. She looked like just like a yeah. person with a body. Yeah. Well, that, like she's not like, gets... she's not a model. Like she's not like an extra skinny, 
like right. super skinny, skinny person that's like right. doesn't, you know what I mean? It but she just looks like a normal the person. Of what we're saying is that like everybody has a different interpretation yeah. of like how they see these things. You know, like I'm, I'm a larger person, and like so I can only you know, I can only say what things mean to me and how things look to me. So my Mm -hmm. perspective and how I walk through life is going to be different than, you know, than anyone. And like somebody who looks exactly like me, I could have a twin that feels very differently than I feel. But um, I do, I, I will say that, you know, Uh, The reason why I get that is because sometimes when I wear something sexy, people make like a really super big deal out of me wearing something sexy and not like in a nice way. And so I know. It's like, ooh, look at you. Yeah, look, oh, your tits are out. Oh, oh, you know, and I'm just like, so I know that there are certain things that people are like, there are certain things that you have a right to do and certain things that you don't have a right to do. So wearing something where your tits are out or diving off a cliff behind a hot guy are not on the list of things that you should do looking yeah. the way that you look. So I think that that's probably the way some people interpreted it. Ugh, that but, makes, but that makes me sick. Yeah, of Obviously. course. It's, it's gross. <laughs> you know? Right. And so, and so anyway, I just like deleted it and then I And then did a, a, a wonderfully thorough and I believe genuine apology, which is the part that a lot of people skip when they delete stuff that got them quote unquote in trouble, they, I deleted it and it's like, apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like, there are two things when you're a person who like has a tendency to get like put in people magazine for your Instagram Mm -hmm. stories or whatever. Mm -hmm. One is like, is this a thing that I want to make into something bigger? You know what I mean? Or should we, or should I just like, Shh, be quiet. And then it'll, you know. You don't want but the Streisand that, effect. Right. Hollywood break. You don't want the Streisand effect. Can you, can you, Shantira, Hollywood Holly, break? Hollywood what break is the Streisand effect? If you're not on Twitter, God bless you. So <laughs> I, I can't remember the story though, but it was. Oh, uh, I know it. You know, I, I just she, know what happened to Barbara, the, oh. the, the Streisand effect. But you, you, you tell the story because I can't remember why she was upset. <laughs> she was suing paparazzi for not, publishing photos of her house in Malibu because she didn't want people to know where she lived. But in suing them for that, her address was disclosed. Oh, that's what it is. And so then it was like, and so then it was like by making a big deal out of a thing that like most people wouldn't have been able to like figure out, then it became a big deal a huge deal and then everybody and not only that it was like a big story and then everyone was talking about it and it was like oh she lives in on Malibu Colony Drive or whatever it is like I don't know I'm making that up but maybe it is that but you know what I mean and so then and then it was like the exact thing that she was trying to want to happen yes Yes. (laughs) it was like became this huge deal it's just like Um, when that kid uh, if you've never listened to the podcast, uh, a, a friend of my, my friend, ex-boyfriend pooped the trampoline. And <laughs> when he pooped the trampoline, he was like, you never pooped the trampoline before? And it was like, dude, you're screaming about this? Like, we, we were just going to, like, let you poop the trampoline. So, like, Barbara Streisand pooped the trampoline. And then... <laughs> 
<laughs> let everybody instead of just being like I'm gonna clean up the trampoline she told everybody not to talk about it and then in doing that everybody knew she pooped the trampoline right <laughs> but so I think that that's the thing that like a lot of people deal with online in terms yeah. of deciding weighing whether or not to just like oop and like move on yeah. Yeah. or if they should make a statement but for or make a statement or say something or whatever yeah but for me personally you know, even just at like six in the morning or whatever, after I read your text and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh fuck, oh fuck. Um, and I went and I watched it and then I, and then I like started reading some comments. I was like so heartbroken. I was like, I can't not address this because first of all, just because it didn't occur to me doesn't mean that it didn't occur to someone else and hurt them. And even if it didn't hurt somebody else, like even just perpetrating that, like putting it into the world and having somebody have it come, come across it accidentally or whatever and giving them that feeling, I would just never want to do that. I would just, that's just, yeah. that's antithetical to everything that I want to do in this world. Yeah. And yeah. so that's basically why I was like, okay, I'm going to like, and I thought that like, inst I don't, well, TBH, I don't really know how to do the thing that people do where they like make their own Instagram of words unless it's in stories. <laughs> is it like an app? app? You use your is, notes app? I'm, I don't I, Oh, a lot of people take do a notes. Screenshot. Oh, I'll be really? honest, I do not. I don't know how to do a lot of stuff except for text <laughs> and, and whatever color pops up when I make an Instagram story, that's the color that gets published. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do that. I kind of don't know how to do that either with the changing the colors of the Instagram. Yeah, anyway, I don't know how to do that. But the point being, like, I also don't love when people post texts like that on, it's, I don't know, whatever. That's just a personal thing. So I just wanted to post, like, a cozy photo of a paw, of Gina's sweet paw, and then just say, like, genuinely, I, I feel like gross about this, but it's not about me. You know, I'm just really sorry if anybody, if it felt gross or felt upsetting or hurt anyone in any way, or even just made someone feel like, oh, that's a bummer, you know? Because even that's the stuff that like chips away at you, right? It's like, it yeah. doesn't have to be like a huge thing where you're like crying on the ground if you're right. a person who is constantly experiencing some form of you know, being um, like marginalized in some way, right? And certainly we know that people are are mean to people who don't conform to like a very specific body type that is like, I don't even know, set by who? We don't know. Right. Right now, the and it's like... Yeah, the Kardashians. The <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great that you apologized just because, you know, it sets a standard of like being able to apologize, which a lot of people are really terrible at. Just very, very bad at apologizing. And by the way, you know, I mean, you can, you, apologizing is like a learned skill and you might suck at it one time and get better at it another time if you ever do it more than once in your yeah. life. It's also um, hard if you've never been apologized to. As an adult, ooh. I have uh, learned, you know, from moving away from home, my parents have apologized to me. I have, I learned boundaries from my parents really, truly. And I didn't know about that until I met a bunch of people who had no boundaries and mm. had never been apologized to. So Ugh. like my dad and my mom have both sincerely been like, I'm sorry about that. I'll never do that again. I respect your feelings. And then I got into the real world and I was like, yeah, but like when my dad apologized and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> 
Your daddy did what? I was like, well, he said he was sorry. And then he kept that promise and never did that or said that again. And they were like, yeah, like that's not a thing. So I do believe <laughs> that there are people who have never genuinely been apologized to mm-hmm. when they've tried to set boundaries or when they've made their feelings known. So it is a learned skill that a lot of times you learn after you are in your your growing up yeah. your childhood home. You like learn stuff when you're like a full blown adult. And then that's yeah. where it's a decision. Because when you grow, you ain't got to learn shit. <laughs> maybe um, maybe there's like an apology consultancy business that, you know, if I'm you want to sure. like, if you want to run your apology by me, I'll be happy to tell you. Hey, Casey, you <laughs> yes. basically do that. I've asked you to do that for people before. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's tr- this is true. Like she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's good at it. Here's the deal though. You have to be willing to hear it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. A lot of times people will say like, uh, you know, and working in TV, you know, especially like live television, it happens more than ever. Anything, any live format, people fuck up, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we fucked up between the three of us like 11 times since we hit record on this podcast today, <laughs> not even knowing, you yeah. know, so it happens. But then when you're like, you know, when you're someone's right hand on a TV show, um, not naming any names, but because it's every name, but when you're someone's right hand and they're like, oh shoot, I fucked up and people are upset. Um, you know, I'll be so, so honest about like, well, here's what you got to say. But yeah, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't want to, <laughs> well, they just, you know, they kind of want to let themselves off the hook and say like, right. I didn't mean anything by it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but it's not about you at this point. It's about everybody else. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's the like, I'm sorry you took it that way or whatever oh, yeah. is not an apology. That's a, or, that's a college boyfriend apology. For sure. <laughs> I mean, or, you know, like, well, I didn't mean it that way. So I'm sorry that everybody thought it, but it's like, well, so what? That's also not an apology. You have to like really understand. Now, I think I'm really on this kick this week about empathy. (laughs) Yeah. And I really think that this is, that the problem, the problems politically in our country right now in this moment, like all come down to empathy. Well, truly, this is like genuine studies have shown that um, <laughs> that like that part of your brain that lights up to be empathetic is usually um, it lights up more in people who consider themselves to be liberal. Dude, that's wild. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So how do we get it lit? So how do we get it lit up in some other how people? Get, how do we get it lit? As the kids say, <sighs> I, I don't. I mean, like, truly. I think that there is a way for it to be taught, but exactly like Casey said, you have to be willing to learn it. And I don't know if the people that we want to learn it are ever going to be like, yeah, teach me that stuff. (laughs) While people, the people that I know who have like are liberal and progressive and can still learn and be better. Like I would even say not to toot our own horn, but us, if somebody came up to me today and was like, I have a way for you to be more empathetic. I'd be like, give it to me, baby. So, (laughs) right. right. I think, I think a big, problem in the country is like you know you hear the phrase American exceptionalism and I think this is a problem you know where we've been taught like we're number one and we're the strongest and to show weakness is un-American and that it's okay to be out for yourself and you can Mm. live the American dream and you know you can 
have the car and the house that you dream of and you're free to have the job that you dream of. But we know that in practice, both on the left and the right, that's not necessarily true. So I think you have a lot of frustrated Americans who are like, listen, I'm not getting all of the things that I was told that I was free to have and that Mm -hmm. I was entitled to. Right. So you can say like, that's a problem of the right is that, is that people are like, we want to take away your rights. We want to take away your freedoms, make it more difficult for you. And then on the left, we're very empathetic, but also like maybe not super honest. Like look at the COVID, you know, like look at coronavirus. Like you would think that like, People on the left, half of the country, we should have this shit like half beat. I know that's not the way that pandemics work. Yeah. But how many people are like, you know, we all have to protect each other, slow the spread, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, but why are you at a birthday party, bitch? (laughs) That is deeply entrenched American exceptionalism. Yes. Yes, we have to slow the spread. We have to do what we can to take care of each other, all except for me because I have some errands and I want to ice coffee and then I'm going to my friend's birthday party. And I think that that's like a milder form of exceptionalism. Is this about me going to Whitney Cummings' piercing party? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not because I believe that that was probably like a super careful, you know, like I think that... Everybody probably was super careful. Well, everybody got swabbed. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, but I do think that some people like see that and they're like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to go play, you know, touch football or what, you know what I mean? Like, I think that everybody is kind of like pushed to their limit. And so people (laughs) are just saying, well, it's like, it's okay if I just do this one thing because it's just me. And like, again, you know your own heart and you know your own situation. But then I think that other people are just like, well, why can't I have that? I'm just going to do that. I also truly genuinely believe that like this administration has given so many people so little hope that Mm. they're like, well, I'm going to go play touch football (laughs) because they're not going to help us. And I think that like, we it is the last thing we can control and i think that even when people your own free will yeah your own free will and at first it was like a bunch of like weird white men with ak-47s being like (laughs) we hate this you're intruding on our rights and Mm. then it was like a bunch of hipsters in williamsburg being like oh so like we're not gonna do anything well then (laughs) i'm gonna go Capoeira in the park. So <laughs> I think that that is the, I think that that is what happened. I think that's genuinely what happened is that for six months, everybody I know has been like, we just gonna stay inside and then goodness will prevail. And then like, Everything else the last four years, goodness right. has not prevailed. Right. And it's like, well, I guess if evil's just going to be out in the street with guns, I could at least throw my fucking Frisbee, which <laughs> I mean, I think is sad because I, I do think that so many people are still trying. I mean, like I'd be in my house. I'd be in the house, board, board, in the house, board. Like I'd be in my house. But <laughs> I, I, I know that... <laughs> It's hard out here, man. It's really hard also when you see like a bunch of bad people just hanging out and you're like, they're not nice. (laughs) I know. I see so many people who are like, you know, on social media, they'll be like, I'm judging people so hard. I see them out without masks or I see them out to dinner and I'm like, uh, you know, we like, 
we can't judge because we don't know. And it's weird because it's out there on social media for us to like evaluate. So what are you supposed to do? It's natural to evaluate, but I'm always telling myself like, uh, I shouldn't judge because I don't know the whole story. I only have like a certain, like one picture of what this might be. But then like I belong to like a mom's group and literally every day somebody is like, so do we think it's like safe for me to have like, um, 12 people uh, over. birthday party <laughs> with like a really small one for my two-year-old with just like 20 other two-year-olds. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I've been saying like, I just yell no in the comments of these things like every day since March. Also, and I'm like, well, so much for me not judging anyone. Like I just took all my 1000 judges that I patted myself on the back for not judging and like just dumped them all on this one mom. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the whole world is is uh, uh, <laughs> Casey's son, also my son Lincoln, had a birthday. <laughs> had a <laughs> his birthday was like on a Tuesday. Listen, and then like they were like, oh, like his dad has to work. We'll celebrate his birthday on a Saturday because kids <laughs> don't know. If your child is under the age of the five, they ain't got no birthday till it's over. Next year, <laughs> just be like, your birthday is the day after Corona COVID's is over. over. <laughs> fucking know they don't know when christmas is they really don't they, they know when you tell them everything canceled they'll be like when's christmas and you could just be like next thursday if you celebrated christmas today they'd be like it's christmas just fucking tell everybody their birthday christmas halloween all that shit is next summer it's coming they don't it's fucking coming no it's coming Soon. and they'll just Soon. be like okay <laughs> Just buy them a toy, give them some egos, and they will believe anything. I've never it's wanted so to be a three-year-old more in my life. If you tell a three-year-old their birthday is every day this week, they'll be like, okay. My little cousin <laughs> used to be obsessed with Fazoli's. Obsessed. What are Fazoli's? Fazoli's is like, uh, it's like an Italian McDonald's. It's like Fazoli's. Oh, Fazo okay. Fazoli's. He was obsessed with the restaurant Fazoli's to the point where one day we were just like, I'm sorry, buddy, it burned down. And guess no. what? <laughs> he believed it immediately. And then a month and a half later, after we were ready to go back to Fazoli's, we were like, they rebuilt it and we took him to Fazoli's. Guess what? They don't know shit. Tell them their birthday oh, next year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking so, love that. I love I'm it. I'm just saying, if you're really stressed out and you're really feeling bad about, like, not having a birthday party, not having a Halloween party, they don't fucking know. No. They don't know. I mean, you're, I don't, they're like, <laughs> you're either, like, a child and you don't have object permanence yet, or yeah. you're a child who's old enough to have object permanence, but you're resilient, or yeah. you're a fucking adult. Yeah. You know, so like either of those, any one of those three any choices are like an okay reason to maybe postpone. I've just like, I've I, had it, but I've also had it with myself. So, but also, but also I do have to say like what we did this summer with Sim and Vince and their kids like felt great to us, which was like, we potted with another family. We all lived in the same house. Our groceries were delivered. Our food was delivered or picked up. We didn't eat in any restaurants. Like we, and our kids all played with each other. And well, you I have to pod really, family it. That's the thing. We pod fam. We commute. We we communed it. We started yeah. a commune for but one for six weeks. I do think <laughs> um, that communes are so 
uh, we talked what we, n- no. not chic <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding i'm say, kidding <laughs> i was gonna say that i think communes community in general is so important and that american culture is one of the few cultures that we do not commune we're very individualistic and i think that that has definitely hurt us and hindered us in our ability to like really really stop this pandemic because in so many other countries grandmothers and great aunts live you don't have to worry about sending your kid to school because your grandparents right. live with right. you. We're a very, very, very individualistic country. And I think that people being to, being able to have a community is what has been built from this yes. thing. Because like before, I used to be like, I don't really talk to that bitch, but I'll go to this bar for her birthday. I ain't going to no birthdays for some bitch that I kind of know now. Like right. you really... <laughs> You really solidified your community. When this is over, I'm pretty sure, I'm assuming that the people that you genuinely decided that you were willing to take your mask off for are the people that you will be spending most of your time with when this is over as opposed to stopping to go to a bar party for somebody that you kind of like. I really do think that this will instill a sense of community in this country um, unlike anything we've seen for a really long time. Everybody's changing the way that they're living and thinking about the way that they want to live because of this too, I think. All right. So let's, before we get to our wonderful, beautiful guest today, Casey, (laughs) what were you best at this week? I am just like, I'm over it. (laughs) I I know I'm worried. I have to be honest. I'm worried about you. It'd be like that though, Casey. (laughs) Sometimes you just be like, fuck it, man. Fuck it. My life is so the same that I got my period again, which if you listen to the podcast, you know, was three weeks ago. My body is so fucking bored with my life that my uterus was like, let's just like, let's make it so she has to go out and buy tampons. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what's happening. That's, that's it. And I am like so over the quarantine that I'm going to cry. But, um, you know, I just feel like, that's it. That's like, I have to keep doing it. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I respect that. I'd be mad. Sometimes I just be in my house. I don't even like going places. That's how you know it's bad. Cause I'm like, I don't even like going places, but I sure wish I could go. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of scary. And then I'm like, and you know, and I'm having the same thing as I'm sure every mom who's like, trying to throw a party for their two-year-old where I'm like, why am I doing this? If no one else is doing this, why am I doing this? You know? So it's frustrating to be in a place in my life where my life feels so shut down because of this pandemic that's happening, but it doesn't seem shut down for anyone else. But I know that's just like me being in my own feelings about that. But I also don't understand. Here's the thing. I mean, you are in your own feelings a little bit, which you're allowed to be, but like, I don't understand. There are no, like, it feels like... Well, I'm not in LA, so I don't know what the rule, what's being there said ain't no to rules. do there. If, that's if what feels, I'm saying. If it there's feels nothing like it ain't like, no rules, there ain't no rules. I just saw this. Honestly, there's so much ain't no rules. It's pissing me off because like um, I was uh, in my neighborhood. There is like a bunch of restaurants as many neighborhoods are prone to have. And they have like taken the street parking and turned it into outside eating. Yeah, and that's then, what they've done in all of New York. That's and, what everything and, and, looks and, like. And uh, the same thing I just saw in New York that they like passed an ordinance that if, if there's any free available space outside that like you can 
commandeer it for your restaurant. But then I was like, but like, what about all the homeless people who would commandeer free space and would like get arrested? But now you can just like put a table there. Okay, cool. That's cool. So that made me mad. We have been told that there's no money. There's no time. Mm -hmm. There's no way for anybody to get together and fix a problem. Problems before the pandemic. Now the problem is that people need to be able to eat outside and we got ordinances flying left and right. There was time for meetings. There was time for money. There was time for talks in order to get that going. But when we talk about like (laughs) anti, like uh, aggressive architecture for our unhoused neighbors, there's no time for a meeting. There's no money. There's no discussion. So I think for me, what, I feel like when I say there are no rules, it's like, oh, there's time and there's rules for like you to fucking make your capitalism blow. But like, is, there's no time, there's no rules, there's no extra meetings right now. Wait, for but like we're also people who Shinter, need to like, eat. Just to be fair, yeah, we're not all. We're also not talking about like Applebee's. Just because I have a lot of friends who own, who like are chefs who've opened small businesses, small restaurants, and shit, like. And people, my and a ton of friends who are like career waiters and like or yeah. who use who shouldn't have to work and bartenders. <laughs> right, I, but we don't have a we don't have a country that like we don't have a government set up that like wants Absolutely. to support us. They and, bailed out a cruise ship billionaire. Trump paid seven hundred and fifty. How the fuck? <laughs> I can't with the seven hundred and fifty dollars. I'm so angry about the $750 and I'm even angrier that the fucking people that support him are going to be like, oh, it just means he's smarter than everybody else. Like, well, and not see it for what it is, which is just a giant fucking cheat, scam, horrible, ridiculous thing. And they're like, well, we shouldn't have to pay any taxes. It's like, well, that's why people are going outside. Yeah, that's why people are going outside. That's why, cheats. yeah. Yeah, everybody, that's why people are going outside now because they're like, nobody's going to do anything about that. I'm going right. to go I mean, in the park. No, but <laughs> they never said, there was no plan in place. But and yeah. here's but here's the thing. Italy successfully had a shutdown for three months and then they were able to reopen things slowly. Mm-hmm. England did it. Germany did it. Um, other places, other New countries Zealand, did it. New Zealand, New Zealand did it. Every did other it. country. Yeah, well, yeah. New Zealand just shut it all the fuck down yeah. and they were fine. But like everybody else did a thing where they had like a plan. This is the plan. And then we're going to slowly reopen. And what happened here is that there was no plan. Yeah, right. And then they told us there was going to be a shutdown for a finite period of time and they would slowly reopen and they've just bungled the whole thing. And so right. now people are like, you cannot expect everyone to halt everything for the next two years because you didn't like institute a plan and because you lied to us about masks they lied to us and now this whole QAnon did you guys see that tweet that from that woman about how the the coincidence that the masked singer was the great you know was the number (laughs) one show (laughs) one year before the pandemic hit indoctrinating us all into wearing masks whatever (laughs) I'm just saying that, like, I think that a lot of people, myself included, feel as though there, I mean, first of all, there are no adults taking charge. There's no yeah. cohesive plan. Right. And there, 
you know, if everybody wore masks, we we know people right. could yeah. people could do this. We yeah. could right. continue to live a, a sort of version of our lives by, you know, going into stores, going to participate in, you know, whatever commerce, but <laughs> if every, I don't know, whatever, but if everybody wore masks, everyone right. wore masks and committed to it, we could really get this under control. And I also read a thing last week that was like, now there's new studies that they think that people who wear masks all the time are actually helping to boost their immune system because if little tiny bits get through, what? You're no, I was going to say, no, I read I read that too. I wish they would word that differently because it sounds so like fantastical. They're basically saying that like the severity of a COVID infection that you get is because of the viral load, the amount of the virus that you mm-hmm that you inhale and that's why like we've lost so many frontline healthcare workers because mm-hmm. they're just like uh, it's overloaded. This huge, yeah. yeah, this huge viral viral load. So I th- I wish that they had just been more explicit in explaining mm-hmm. the science behind you know why masks protect you but i th- i feel like they were like looking for a new for like a new headline on it because again because american america is such an individualistic country that we have to like saying that masks save your lives isn't like enough of an ad campaign for masks. You still like, you know what I mean? Like people are like, I'm fucking free to not wear a mask. And, and you're absolutely right. Busy. Like if we had shut down, if we had had a plan, everything would have gone so much better, but a lot of it's also on us, you know, like I'm the adult in my house. So like, Mm -hmm. here's what I'm choosing to do, even though it's making me want to die. It's exhausting. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's exhausting being right. I would love to be wrong. I want to be so wrong. I want, I want to be wrong as hell. I want everything I'm doing to be wrong and for everybody outside to be right and for me to be like, damn, I wasted six months. Fuck it. (laughs) I was wrong. I well, you know what's so great about being wrong (laughs) is if is like if you're open to being wrong, then you get to be right immediately after. As soon as you discover that you're wrong, then you know the right thing, and then you're like, holy shit, now I'm super right. Oh, I'm so ready to be wrong. Right, but this circles back. Oh my god, wait, there's a mosquito. I want to kill it. Um, we'll cut that out because. We'll cut that out so we don't get dragged. (laughs) (laughs) No, mosquitoes have no place in this ecosystem. I hate them. Um, No, I mean, I just like, but it all circles back to like legit what we were talking about from the very top, which is that we don't all know all things. And the truth is once you find out, you have a responsibility to do better and and to genuinely accept or apologize for things that you may have done wrong in the past. Like, for instance, like Casey, I I told you, but like, I am sorry that I said the thing to you about like, don't, I don't think you should announce that thing because we're going to do this other thing. And like, you should have just done that other thing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I don't know, that's cryptic. But Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's cryptic. It's about a conversation that Busy and I had and I wasn't trying to like drag it back up or whatever. But I mean, it's also like a lesson for me. Yeah, I should have just done that thing. I maybe shouldn't have even asked in the first place. You know what I mean? I mean, mean, you got to take it to the group chat. At the end of the day, (laughs) you take it to the group chat and you get the group chat's opinion. And at the end of the day, you do whatever you want. At the end of the day, everybody is always doing exactly what they want to do all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shantira, you have anything you want to mention that you're doing your best at this week before we move on? 
I'm doing my best at um, trying to eat the rest of the food in my fridge before I move. <laughs> my God, because you're really committed to this move, honey. Here's the thing. I This weekend, I was like, let me just order. I watched a barbecue show, and I was like, let me order these ribs. And then I was like, I might as well order some chicken. I might as well order some pizza. Like, I just been eating that garbage, and I was like, oh, my fridge is full of real food that I'm <laughs> ignoring. So for the rest of the week, I'm trying to be a good grown-up and eat the food that's already okay. in the house. <laughs> are, you, do you, are you, like, behaving like a monster? Are you just, like, eating, like, a fistful of carrots over the garbage? <laughs> I mean, like this morning, I like <laughs> I made some eggs and bacon because I was just like, I'm not taking these eggs, am I? So like, <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> item to try to move so, like, anywhere. To just eggs. be like, oh, it's like it's like eight eggs in here. They you need their just, own truck. You can't yeah. just throw away eight eggs. So I'm no, just that's like, ridiculous. I guess, so I'm really truly in my fridge, like, all right, like I'm not trying to take four carrots and six eggs with me this weekend. <laughs> so like I'm just trying to, I'm trying, like my mama would always be like, we got food at home, we got food at home. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> well, guys, I like that for you. I like that we're all kind of just, I don't know, stumbling through this never-ending. I think abyss. we're all learning. I think we're all learning. We're all open to being better. And I think that's really important. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast genuinely is hoping to hear some stuff they never heard, learn some stuff they never learned, and to laugh. So, like, good on y'all. Eat the eggs in your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, should we just get into our guests or should we? Um, yeah. I mean, like, we made a list of pop culture things to talk about. But to be honest, none of it's that mm -mm. interesting because, like, you know. The world is insane. And so here's 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 um, a Hollywood break. When you like work on a talk show or you work on a podcast or whatever and you're looking for topics to like, um, you know, just discuss mm -hmm. jaw over discuss mm -hmm. and like the number one topic is like it's Halsey's birthday or whatever. Right. Right. You like, know, like there's like, too much. Not. I mean, like, happy birthday to Halsey. I love her. Is it her? Is it her birthday? It 25th. was. It was. Wait, you know that yeah. she was staying in this house with the artwork before me, I guess. I found oh, out. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See, well, I no, like why would you? I'm just telling you now. I don't know why I, I said, did Halsey. you know? Because I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Halsey because she's black and people <laughs> don't know she's black. So she always be like, people say shit to me and then I call them out. And I love that. I love secret black people. I love whenever there's a day on Twitter when people realize that Halsey is black and then it's yeah. like a whole day of people black and white, people of all colors being like, Halsey's black. Same thing with Slash. <laughs> I love when people find out Slash is black. Slash is like, I'm Jewish and black. I got yeah. a lot of days going on. I love that kind of shit. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, it's like, it's a little bit of a pop culture slow news day. I know the presidential debate was last night, but we're recording this before watching it. I don't even think I'm going to watch it. I don't think Joe Biden should even participate in it because I think it's such a fucking sham that this other motherfucker is even treated like a legitimate candidate or anyone who has any... I should debate Joe Biden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just fucking put me in there. Um, here's what I did like. I liked this thing that you put in, Casey. I don't know if it was for me about all the babies. There were oh. so many. There have been so many celebrity babies. I guess Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara had a baby and named the baby River, which is so sweet after his yeah. late brother, who was gorgeous, beautiful soul actor. Yeah. Love him. Billy Lord apparently had a baby, and then Mandy Moore. Oh, gonna have a baby. You guys. Yes. You guys. Wait. Did I tell you that I psychically knew Mandy was pregnant? 
Oh, no. no. Oh, my God. You know how sometimes I'm psychic about stuff? Yes. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> this is this one is weird. So Mandy and I are friends. We're on a group chat together, but we also like text each other separately about things from time to time. But I like not, definitely not like inner circle friends, but like we're definitely good we're for, like friends. Yeah. We're buds. Yeah. We're bros. So anyway, I was in my kitchen doing dishes in August and I, this is the weirdest thing. And I was like, put a dish down. And I was like, oh, Mandy's pregnant. How weird is that? And I texted her. Wait, I want to read it to you. She won't. I don't, I hope she won't mind. I mean, maybe I'll ask her, but I don't think she will. Cause she thinks it's really funny. Um, so I said, okay, don't think I'm crazy, but this morning I was in my kitchen. Oh, arranging flowers. Okay. So I got the story wrong already, but this morning I was in my kitchen arranging flowers and I was like, Mandy's pregnant. You don't have to tell me if you are. I just wanted you to know I'm weirdly psychic about these things. And if you are, I think it's all going to be great. Plus I think maybe girl, but I'm not good at that part. And if not, maybe it's a new idea or something you're working on, but I really feel like it's a baby. I had to tell you because it was just so wild. Hope you guys are doing well. And then she wrote back, friend, you are very psychic, but it's a boy. <gasps> wow. They announced it's a boy, so I feel like it's okay. She's like, this is very impressive. I hope you're well. Congrats on the podcast. I've subscribed. Anyway, uh, if Mandy Moore subscribed, you should too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but isn't that crazy that I fucking knew she was pregnant? I'm glad that she knew already because... Could you imagine just being like, <laughs> busy says I'm pregnant. I'm just gonna, <laughs> oh my God. Like, <laughs> I love that she already knew. <laughs> yeah, I have a weird thing. It would have been a weird way to find out. I yeah. know. I have a weird thing. That my, it's the same thing with my trainer, Lauren, who had her third baby like eight weeks ago, um, who does my lack fit. But in the fall of last year, she had like just found out she was pregnant. And I, I was working out next to her. And I don't know if you've ever watched these lack fit workouts that I do with Lauren, but she's like the tiniest human that's ever lived and like ripped. Like she's like, muscles on top of muscles, especially in her stomach. So she didn't look, there was no physical, she was brand new pregnant. And I was just working out next to her and I was like, oh my God, she's going to have a baby. She's pregnant. <laughs> and then after class, I didn't, I didn't want to like, again, like that thing, I didn't want to tell her something she didn't already know kind yeah. of. So I was like, so what do you think? Are you and John going to have more kids? Maybe. <laughs> and she looked at me and she was like, what? No, no, uh-uh, no, no. That's why would you no? We're opening the studio. I'm not gonna have any more kids. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like maybe there's a vibe for another kid for you. And then, like after she passed the 12 week mark, you know, yeah. she was like, okay, yeah, I could. Tell she you. texted me and she was like, dude, I can't believe you called my pregnancy. <laughs> I was like three weeks pregnant. What the fuck? You're like those know. dogs who can like smell sickness, but you can smell, smell pregnancy. <laughs> when I worked for Rosie O'Donnell the day that 9-11 happened, she uh, she came and- I'm not laughing at 9-11, but <laughs> it's so I, weird. Anytime no, I hear something shocking, I laugh. <laughs> this, is so, this is the weirder thing. I was standing with the cast of Everybody Loves Raymond when 9-11 happened. We were like waiting to do the show. But then everybody was like figuring out what was happening. My son was in the daycare and then Rosie came and she was like, uh, get your kid and we I have a car waiting downstairs. I'm going to take you to my house because I don't think you can get home to Brooklyn. And I was like, okay. And then in 
the car, she was like, I know you're pregnant, by the way. And I was like, how do you know? Like, I haven't told anyone, but she did it Columbo style because she was like, you haven't been drinking Diet Coke for like six weeks. <gasps> oh. oh, so she just That's got cool. it from like the clues, which is why Rosie O'Donnell maybe learned a little bit from Harriet the Spy and <laughs> good, That's like, a good movie. Solve crimes in real life. <laughs> well, here let's get to our guest because she's someone that I also think of as a Harriet the Spy type. True, truly. Don't you truly. feel like that? Like she yeah. could, she could play Harriet Especially the Spy grown was, up. When she was little, she had that for sure vibe. I'm right. for sure she could do that. Yeah. I've seen pictures of her as a kid. She definitely looked like Harriet the Spy. I bet you she, if she, and this is just a free idea that I'm giving to the world, whoever wants to write it. If you want to write Gillian Jacobs Netflix show where she stars as a grown up Harriet the Spy, you have to go for it. <laughs> Gillian Jacobs is one of my favorite people in the world. We love her so much. She's a great friend and a good person and really a true life Harriet the Spy. Let's take a listen to what she has to say. You know what I love? I love a bath. I love taking care of my bod. I love wellness. I love taking care of my bleeding vagina. I mean, my vagina's not bleeding. It's my uterus lining that's shedding. Anyway, but I also love Athena Club. (laughs) Are they going to enjoy this? I don't know if they're going to love that, but... Um, Athena, Glo- Athena Club it offers safe and sustainable self-care essentials in one spot, directly to your door, free shipping always. You never worry about running out of your essentials again. If you're a free bleeder, live your life. If you're not, Athena Club might be for you. It offers vegan and cruelty-free essentials. And it will cater to your personal routine, no matter what that may look like for you. Um, They've got everything, high quality, affordable products. I personally am using a very cute razor from Athena Club that I like a lot. It's pink. (laughs) It's a good razor. And I chose that color because it's a good razor. It is shaving my legs. It's so cute. I got a a blue one and I also love it because they, uh, because you know, if you sit your razor down, it can rust and they have a little magnet that keeps it up so the water doesn't go into the blade and doesn't rust your razor. They really And let me it. tell you something. And let me tell you something. I've had all, I've had the other razors, guys, with the thing that sticks onto the shower door and that always falls, it always falls off. It never once has stayed. This, this is staying. And this magnet is a very strong magnet. <laughs> Anyway, um, you just don't, you're not going to have to worry about running out because it makes it easy. Athena Club makes it easy for you to customize your delivery times. So it's flexible. And um, if you're going out to dinner, not wearing a mask and Casey's going to get mad at you, you don't have to worry about your Athena Club. (laughs) I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, I just like truly love it. I think that the products are great. I love that they offer vegan cruelty-free essentials. Um, and I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I'm a very, uh, busy human being and it's nice to have these things that make our lives a little easier. Um, so stop using razors that under deliver and switch to Athena club. You can sign up today and you'll get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com. Use the promo best. That's a T H E N A C L U B 
com with promo code BEST for 20% off. Listen, get the razor, get the... I need a shaving foam. That's my, that's my thing. I use the cloud shaving foam. And hook it up. So it's athenaclub.com and use promo code BEST. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with promo code BEST for 20% off. Go check it out. You're going to find things that you want, need, and they're going to be delivered directly to your door and you're going to be happy. Oh, Sakara, Guys, how'd you like your Sakara? Did you love it? It was so good. Yo, I It's delicious. I ordered more tea. I really like it. It's truly, genuinely one of the only teas that I don't have to put anything in. I still like Wait, it. Wait, it's raspberry-ish or something, right? Like what is the flavor? It's don't so know good. What, I don't know what it, it's good, but like I love tea, but I always want to be the type of person who drinks a tea with like nothing yes. in it. But that's just not no. who I am. And like I usually have to drop some honey but in now there, you are. lemon juice. I really like their tea. I ordered some more um, and I drink it every day. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> um, Sakara, if you don't know, Sakara is a nutrition company. It focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They have organic, ready-to-eat meals. They're made with powerful plant-based ingredients. They're designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, get your skin very glowy. I've done it off and on for years. It's not like a cleanse. It's like just a little bit of like a healthy reset eating vibe. Um, sometimes I've done it when I've been too busy to like be concerned about cooking and making sure that like I'm eating healthy things. Um, the creative chef crafted breakfasts, lunches and dinners changes weekly. You don't get the same thing like in little, pa it's all fresh and you never get bored and it delivers anywhere in the United States. Um, I saved the turmeric carrot ginger soup. The, the, did you have that? I saved it for the first yeah. day of fall to celebrate Aww. fall. It is so good. I can't stop thinking delicious. about it. I had this uh, uh, strawberry oat breakfast and they give you like strawberry mm -hmm. milk to pour over like a strawberry oat. And I was like, uh, can I, get this in a box? <laughs> I mean, it is so delicious. Full disclosure, Birdie steals my breakfasts from me, from Sakara. I know I need to order extras next time I do it. I need to be like, okay, and and, and a breakfast for my daughter, Birdie. <laughs> um, well, right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash our best or enter code our best at checkout. That's Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash our best. And you get 20% off your first order, sakara.com slash our best. Listen, guys, it's been in Vogue, the New York Times, and Goop, you know? <laughs> so like if it's good enough for Gwyneth Paltrow, you better believe it's good enough for me and you. Hi. Oh my God. Hi, Gillian. Oh, it's so Hello. good to see all of you. Hello. So nice to see you. I'm so happy to see you. I've actually never been happier to see you ever. I love your little <laughs> shop going dress. I wore it for you, Biz. Oh my oh, yeah. God, shoot. Should I go put on a doing dress? Should I? Can I? I can do it real fast. I'm wearing a bathing suit. You can do whatever you want. Throw it on. I feel right like, over. Yeah. I wish I could take you with me. Hold on one second. She has to. <laughs> I feel like she'd be thinking about it for the whole time if she doesn't do it right now. So Busy. I feel like we should just go ahead. Yeah, and just let her do it. Ride that she train reminds right me now. of like 
when I was little and solid gold was like, it was solid gold night and I would always put on a, a leotard even though I was a little chunker <laughs> and <laughs> push back all the furniture. That's similar. I feel and like, dance? like you, yeah, have to, yeah. you have to do it. I the, For me, it was Aaliyah's uh, Are You That Somebody a video. Oh. It used to come on Disney Channel. Like really? It was like Disney Channel in the summer. They would play music videos in between the shows. So it was like Aaliyah and NSYNC and Britney Spears. And I remember watching that video and being like, everybody shut up. And just like really <laughs> trying to dance during those four minutes in between like bug juice and something. <laughs> I loved bug juice, by the way. Did you get, Did you ever watch it, Gillian? Oh, God. Just going to say my mom would never pay for that cable package. Gillian, where are you? I'm in my bedroom. <gasps> you are? Yes, I'm standing in my bedroom. You're standing? I was given a music stand. I did this podcast where we recorded from home and the podcasting company sent me a music stand. So now I put my laptop on the music stand because I figured I'm like doing a standing desk equivalent. Oh, yeah, that's genius, nice. actually. Um, okay, so Gillian Jacobs, my friend that I met at a dinner party, how many years ago? 10? 2009, maybe? When was it? Yeah, 2009. Well, you had done the pilot of Community. Yeah, I think it was 2009. And it had been picked up, but you hadn't yet moved to LA. So whatever year that was, you guys, you do the math. I don't know. 2009. Okay, at Gillian did it. Um, we were seated next to each other. Yes, yes. At our friend's birthday party, small, intimate dinner birthday party. And... Um, we fell in love, but then really became friends over the next, like, two years, I would say. It's, I would agree. Right? Yeah. Well, I didn't realize my good fortune at being seated next to you at a dinner party and That's what me. a difference it would make for my life. So, yes. Thank you, Phil Pavel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our friend. He really seated me next to you. No, yeah. I, you know— I had come to L.A. I had auditioned in L.A., but I had never lived there. I didn't really know anyone, and it was kind of daunting, the prospect of starting over, really, in a lot of ways, um, moving to L.A., and so you've made a huge difference in my life. That's really mm-hmm. sweet. Aww. Did you, was that, we were just, ta- we've talked to other people um, about, like, pivots in terms of moving across the country or moving to a different place. So it, feels like that, I mean, you had no choice because it was a job, like you had to go. And you, how long had you been in New York for? I, I moved there to go to college. So I had been there for about eight years total between college and time after college. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time to live in a city and you had like all your friends and all of that. And so um, what was the thing that made it like easier for you? Was there a thing that made it easier for you? Well, uh, aside from meeting Busy Phillips, I'd say... (laughs) And having a job. And having a job. I was going to say that was the next thing that really was helpful. And I'm a person who likes structure and routine. So um, having a job that gave me a sense of purpose and a schedule and all of those things helped. Um, And then it also did feel like 
I was meeting a whole new world of people because I'd been in the world of tiny independent film and off, 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 Broadway theater in New York. And so I was meeting all kinds of new people, just being more, you know, on TV and going to parties with people on television. But then also, I think it's like, I don't know if it was like for you all, all of you, but when you meet the people in LA who are like, no, go here, no, go to this restaurant, go to this place. And then you suddenly see a whole other side of LA because mm-hmm. when I would come here before I lived here, I didn't know where to go or what to do. I used to go to the Beverly Hills Public Library um, just to be around people. Oh, <laughs> Nothing's more Gillian than you used to go. One of my favorite stories about Gillian from her high school years is that the only time she ever lied and skipped school was because there was an exhibit she really wanted to see at the Met. It was in <laughs> Pittsburgh, but yes. In Pittsburgh. Yes, I, I skipped school to go to a museum. <laughs> and then still got in trouble. Still, you still got, got in trouble. trouble. Got in yeah, a lot got of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, my mom turned me into the school um, and told me I had to go and apologize to each of my teachers for disappointing them. And I was a senior in high school. Um, and Because she was 17 years old and she wanted to see an exhibit that was closing at a museum. And so, and you probably already were in Juilliard. You probably had already gotten in. Yeah, and it's that thing where, you know, your, I senior, mean, of co- your senior year of high school where you know where you're going. Also, Juilliard didn't ask for my um, transcripts, my uh, any of my grades until after they accepted me and they never asked for my SAT score. So I had lost all motivation to do <laughs> The worst case of senioritis. Yes, yeah. it truly was irrelevant. All I had to do was graduate high school. And so, yeah, my mom, my mom told me I had to go apologize to all of my teachers for disappointing them. Wow. I remember I went to one teacher and did it and she said, you know what? You needed to cut loose a bit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I know that I didn't apologize to anyone. I love her. Do you? Is that teacher still around? I have. You know what? I haven't talked to her really since I graduated. But she was like, "This is also very me." Like at the end of the year, we did like a little thank you presentation to the teacher because she was a really great teacher. And I started crying, and all the other kids in the class looked at me like such a loser. Very me. <laughs> <laughs> she, I bet she's so proud of you if she's out there watching. Oh, yeah. Um, did you, so you went to Juilliard for acting um, and then off, off Broadway and then you got cast on Community and you moved to LA and that was a pivot and you met me and then I was like, I'm going to change your life. Um, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, but you, you know, you, you've built, you built a really great life in LA and, um, you know, with Chris, your partner and, so I guess um, my question is, you've made sort of a career pivot and I'm curious about, you're still acting. You're not like me where you're like, fuck it, I'm retired from acting. But you still you still do act. Yeah. But you have like kind of taken a whole different direction in your career in the last couple of years. And I want you to talk about it a little bit. Yes. So I am still acting. I have a movie that's coming out on demand um, called I Used to Go Here that it would be great if people would watch. So by the time this airs, I Used to Go Here has come out. Yes. And you've it's watched it. it. And you've watched yes. it, but also you're going to watch it again tonight. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right again. Just to support. <laughs> What's it about? Who's in it? Okay, great. Yes. My movie is about a character named Kate who is publishing her first novel. 
um, and thinks that she's about to embark on this huge press tour, this huge book tour, and it's going to be a, a raging success. And then it gets bad reviews and the publishers cancel everything. She was engaged. She's broken up with her fiance. And so she's in this moment where nothing is going right. And so the only offer she has is to go back to her alma mater and give a talk. And so she goes back and all the students and the faculty are treating her like she's this big deal. She's this huge success. And she feels like a loser, but she's also really enjoying that. And so she sort of befriends all the kids who lived in the house she used to live in in college. And is sort of regressing, but also like finding that they're really cool and exciting and young. And she's, so she's sort of having this moment of like, do I start teaching at this college and, and are my true new friends, all these like college students. Uh, so she's sort of having a crisis. Um, but Jemaine Clement, who's so hilarious, plays the, the, her old professor who invites her back. Um, Hannah Marks, who I think is amazing uh, writer, director, in addition to be an actress, is uh, one of the students. Forrest Goodluck, Josh Wiggins. There's so many great people in the movie. Oh, that's stacked. That's amazing. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. I did a talk at Loyola Marymount University when my book came out. It was That's fun. cool. Yeah. An experience like this where the all of the, well you you are a huge success. So you're not like facing and you were on a massive book tour. So it was Well, it wasn't it kind of wasn't a massive book tour just because we were also like prepping busy tonight at the same time. So I really only could go to a few places. But going back to LMU is good. But you know, I didn't graduate from there. I left school. Oh, really? And they won't put you on the Wall of Fame there. I'm not on the wall of fame because so I didn't rude. graduate. Yeah. They should just give you a degree. Like, they should just give it to you. <laughs> I actually asked. Wait, you guys, I asked the, the new dean of whatever, the fine arts um, at LMU is really cool and like awesome dude. And uh, when I was there giving the talk, that's, I, the, I swear to God, one of the only reasons why I wanted to do it was to ask him if he would just give me an honorary degree. Because <laughs> it's hard, like, I don't know. I just would like to be able to say that I have one from maybe LMU. You can they give you? Maybe you can finish uh, online. Yeah, this semester. Gillian, you graduated from Juilliard, though, yeah. Barely, yes. They, no. they. I was on. Well, I was on probation, um, uh-huh. so they they could have kicked me out at the end of my sophomore year, but they chose to not. So yes. What were you on probation for? Acting. Um, not up to their standards. My acting was not good enough. Oh, I, I didn't know if you meant acting like on the stage was not up to their standards or the way you were acting at the school. Was they didn't like all of it. <laughs> they, they, um, they thought I was too passive. Um, and I, I don't know how, I mean, I grew up doing theater as a kid. And so as a kid, if you follow directions, you show up on time, you're just like, they give you a note and you take it you get really rewarded. And so I, that was sort of my expectations of what it being an actor was. And when I got there, they're like, no, you're supposed to have opinions Ideas. and make choices. And right, I, was right. like, I thought I was being good. <laughs> I thought I was being a good student by I just wait for you to tell me what to do and then I do it to the best of my ability. So that was, right. I think, what they were trying to like get me to do more of. Um, What's in the background there, Gillian? So my, bo- my character publishes this book and she hates the cover, so I decided to put it in the background for the press. Can I see it? Wait, I want to see it. <laughs> it's like... Can you hold it up? She won't stop talking about how much she hates the cover of her oh book. Oh, my Seasons God. past. I yeah. mean, it's terrible. It's a terrible, like, summer beach read cover that you would get. That's really funny. It's like, uh, well, because people, if they can't see it, uh, it's two hands holding, like how every... Um, 
company now has like a black hand and a white hand holding each other for all their copy. It's Logo just like of two my daughter's white hands. school. Just FYI. In front, of a, in front of a lighthouse. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah. With like a starfish and a shell. It's. It's like a real Nicholas Sparks vibe. Yes. Of like yeah. you're in North Carolina holding hands with a ghost. Exactly. <laughs> with a very, a really chiclet font. <laughs> so I, I have talked to friends who are authors and they said that this is very relatable to them. Is It's super relatable. It's yes. super relatable. So Gillian, let's get back to your career pivot. So we're all going to watch this movie because also it sounds like the movie's kind of about a pivot too. Like a, exactly. a, a woman at a crossroads and trying to figure out what her next steps are. I'm very um, much looking forward to watching it. I know. It sounds great. It's like, I look forward to like two things and now I have three. <laughs> and you're... And you are legit one of my favorite actors. I love watching you. I God, loved Ibiza. Ibiza was so fun. It's it was so, so fun. It was so good. It was good. such a fun movie. I love and, anything where like ladies go to like a different country and like ball out of control. It's yeah. like always like shitty dudes going. It's like nobody wants to see you in Spain. I want to see I a always, bunch of cool ladies. It's always <laughs> funny to me when Gillian plays a character that is drunk or on drugs <laughs> because she does not partake in either of those things. So yeah. I'm always like, "This is a it's a it's a fantastic acting. You do a yeah. really good job. Suck it, you, Juilliard." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of crowdsourcing for all of that. And I am very upfront on set of like, I, I've never been drunk. I've never done drugs. So tell me if it doesn't look real. So I try to like, I remember I had to play hungover on community and, and I just was asking everyone on set what it's like the to flu. be hungover. It's the flu. It's the flu. It's like having the flu. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. So I love you as an actor. I can't wait to see that movie. Talk to us about your career pivot and like, how it all came to be. It's interesting. Yeah. And so, what it is. So so what it is. So what it is, is the last few years, I've been directing documentaries. And I've also been interviewing um, a lot of people for print publications. Um, and so I, I guess what I started to do was when I would meet people like um, Cindy, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Glamour, um, I, I would go, I was going to all these like glamour events, like, I, you know, busy, I'm sure you and I were at many of them. And mm -hmm. I just started saying like, Hey, um, can we have breakfast or can we have a meeting? And then I was, she said, if there's ever anyone that you really want to talk to or interview, um, you know, pitch us it. And so they started saying yes. So I got to interview a lot of people for glamour. I've got to interview the first me for something. Yes, it's been so exciting, and and it? I'm trying to remember now what it was. But I, I've interviewed an astronaut. I interviewed this woman who was like started working in computers in the 1950s. I got to interview um, Marlo Thomas, um, and wow, you know, and and a lot of it was just like I started talking about free to be you and me one day, which I don't know if any of you listened yes, to that. Yeah. Wait, I was just gonna say, I mean, free to be you and me was like my favorite thing ever when I was a kid, ever. Yes. I know it all by heart still. Yeah. And one of, in my, one of my first acting classes ever, we did a sketch from Free to Be You and Me. Um, me too. The baby, the yes! baby girl. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. 
Same. Okay. So I just started talking about it with a friend and I was like, it was amazing. And it was amazing. This was all her idea. She put this all together. She got all of these amazing performers and writers to, to do this. And so I was like, I don't think she gets enough credit for that. Um, and so I just emailed Glamour, the editors, and said, I want to interview Marlo Thomas. And they said, okay. And then I got on the phone with her to interview. And she's like, honey, why do you want to talk to me? Like, it was <laughs> so random to her. Because she also does, I mean, her father started St. Jude's Hospital. Right. And so she and her family have raised, I think I'm not overstating, billions of dollars um, mm-hmm. for this hospital. And so I think she assumed... I wanted to talk to her about St. Jude's. And I was like, yes, this is incredible. I'm totally admiring you for this. But I want to talk to you about free to be you and me. And I think it's amazing. And I just, So I've been sort of doing that. Like um, Hilary Mantel is one of my favorite authors. She wrote the Wolf Hall novels. Um, and so when I, thir- when I heard that the third Wolf Hall novel was coming out, I, I emailed Glamour and said, um, could I ever talk to her? And I never thought she would agree to it. Um, she's a very fancy award-winning author. And she said, yes. And so then I got, for me, this was huge. I got an advanced copy of the third novel. Um, I got to read it and I was guarding it. Like it was invaluable treasure. And um, so I, like it was the finale of Game of Thrones is what you were treating it like. Yes. Yeah. And um, and so then I got to speak to her on the phone. And I once again, I was so excited. I started crying, much like the teacher <laughs> uh, at the end of the year presentation to my English teacher. I started crying. And I just hoped the phone connection was uh, poor enough that Hillary Mantel couldn't tell I was crying. So I guess it's like I've always been a curious person who gets really into things. And normally I just like bore people at dinner parties talking about them. You never bored me. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So So I guess my pivot has been rather than just sort of like getting privately obsessed with it and talking to about it with friends and family, I've been trying to find ways to like, you know, be able to do it, whether it's doing a documentary or interviewing somebody and um, I guess sharing it more with the world. But I feel it also though, I feel like you're really into women in STEM. I feel like you want to get a lot, you want to get, and I feel like you want to give women credit for things that historically speaking, is that, what is that? Well, I mean, I know what that is, but like talk, speak to that. Well, um, so the first documentary I did was about this woman named Grace Hopper who um, accidentally started working on computers during World War II because she was a mathematics professor who was desperate to join um, the Navy. They had a volunteer women's, uh, it was called WAVES. And so it was a way that women could serve in the Navy during World War II. Um, because previously women had not been allowed. And so initially they told her that she was too old. She was like 33. They tried to tell her that she was underweight. Like there were all these excuses they kept trying to give her why she couldn't join the Navy. And she just kept insisting until finally they've said, fine, we'll let you in. And um, because she was a mathematics professor, they sent her to Harvard. And there was this man who was working on a secret computer, one of the first computers you know, this is in the 1940s. And um, so they just sort of put her in a room with this computer and said, write a manual about this. And she didn't know what it was. She didn't know how it worked. And so um, by the end of the war, she was 
probably one of, you know, the leading computer experts um, in the country because she had all this experience. But the Navy um, would not let her stay in the Navy. They sort of kicked all the women out at the end of the war. They didn't continue the Ways program. And Harvard wouldn't have women as professors. So she couldn't stay at Harvard. And so she didn't know what to do. But it was kind of the beginning of the computing industry. And so these other two men who had also worked on a different secret computer during the war um, hired her. Um, And so she became part of the earliest days of the computing industry. And what I learned from working on this documentary was that there was actually a whole group of women who worked on computers in the 1940s and 50s. And um, later, the numbers went really down. But early on, computer programming was considered, quote, women's work, unquote. Like like secretaries almost or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of coding. Yeah, because it was, a, a computer used to be a description of a human. It was a person who did computations. And so women were considered good at detailed work. Um, and so they were considered good computers. And so there was kind of this natural wow. shift from um, by hand computations into working on these early computers, which required a lot of, you know, um, writing out computations. And so, you know, now the numbers are are bad. It actually, I think, peaked in the 1980s, and it's been on the decline since then for the number of women in STEM in computing. And so working on this, I realized, oh, it's not about trying to get women into this field for the first time. It's about trying to get back to where they were um, and also there were these women at the University of Pennsylvania who worked on a separate secret computer during the war. And uh, when, the, when the computer was finally made public, uh, they had this big press day and all these reporters were there. They were taking these photos. People were writing articles. And the women were demonstrating how the computer functioned because they had programmed this computer called ENIAC. But when all the press coverage came out, none of the women were credited by name. None of them were credited as programmers. And um, so they were sort of immediately lost from the history of this computer. Um, And it wasn't until this woman who I actually interviewed for my documentary saw this picture of these women and started asking questions about who they were that she was able to find. Thankfully, they were all still alive when she did her project and she interviewed all of them um, and sort of restored them to the history as as computer programmers, which is what they were because previously people had been like, oh, they were essentially floor room models, like models at a car show. Um, And so... Burn it all down. (laughs) Yeah, so that was kind of, I guess, the beginning for me. So yes, in STEM, um, I've I've tried to read a lot about the early history of women in Hollywood. There were actually, between 1911 and 1922, half of the produced scripts were written by women. Um, Yes. Yeah, because it's kind of similarly, in the early silent film era before Hollywood was really an established industry, um, people would write uh, scenarios for silent films and and mail them in to studios, and then you would get a check in the mail. So uh, it was considered kind of freelance work that you could do from home. So because of that, women were writing scripts and getting paid for them. it's really interesting. It's almost like um, like women are always used as test balloons to see like, is this going to be like a thing? Like our screenplay is going to be a thing? And if it is a thing. And then yeah. once it's successful, we're going to oh, erase you. Is cooking food going to be a thing? Oh, okay, it is. All right. Yeah, let's, Bye. let's get Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that you always like follow your curiosity 
I feel like so many times women are just like told to be like, okay, well, that's a cute little hobby or like some bullshit like that. But you're like, I'm going to give every woman who was a computer fucking credit. And I'm like, yes, because every woman I know credit. has had something stolen from them. And you'd be every like, woman I know still to this day. Gillian, you're still acting, but what was like the moment? Was there an inciting incident where you went from sort of thinking about making documentaries and interviewing people to like a tipping point where you were like, oh shit, I'm doing this. Like, how did that happen? I think it was kind of this gradual thing of um, honestly feeling depressed um, and feeling... Um, I, you know, I, when I when I heard the premise of this podcast, I was really trying to think about like what what pushed me to do things or why I why I started pursuing other things. And I think, you know, I think I, I had kind of I have constant kind of low grade depression, <laughs> and um, I think that there's something about being an actor uh, where you're waiting to be cast a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for all the jobs that I have gotten, and I'm very lucky because I work as an actor, and I know that puts me in a small percentage of actors that I've made a living acting, you still, you know, are waiting to be told yes. And so um, I think I wanted to find a way to start um, feeling a little bit more proactive. Um, mm-hmm. And... Probably also um, encouragement from Chris, my boyfriend, who busy, you know, I think, I don't know if you've all met, but yeah. Yes. I think Chris also has really encouraged me as well to pursue uh, whatever I'm interested in. So you said you were depressed. Can you talk a little bit about, have you had a change in that level of depression since you've been? Yeah, I, I do feel excitement um, when I'm doing these new things, whether it's directing or interviewing someone, I feel those kind of like uh, first day of school nerves, which are kind of exciting. And I don't know how you feel busy, but um, I don't feel like really scared like that as an actor anymore, unless right. there's something yeah. specifically challenging about the scene. Like I'm mm-hmm. very bad at stunts. Like if there's like, yeah. if I have to do anything like physical in that way, I feel that kind of like, jolt of excitement and nerves. Yeah. And and certainly when I first started acting, everything was new to me. I didn't really understand how the process of film and TV worked at all. So I was constantly trying to like figure it out. And I always felt like I was doing the wrong thing or standing in the wrong place or I wasn't in my, I didn't know what it meant that I wasn't in my light or, you know, all, all these things. So it was like, I was constantly grappling with that. And I think the, the beauty of being on a you know a television show that goes for six seasons is that by the by the end of it you feel much more comfortable and you don't kind of feel that like those kind of excitement mm-hmm. nerves on the day to day I mean st- I, I was very lucky that community was such a good show so we would get very excited about the episodes that we were doing and it was like this is really funny I can't believe they're letting us do this I mean I lucked out so hard with that show that like we were yeah your first show yes I was like we were like reinventing what the television show was every episode. So cool. So that was really exciting. But I think I think um, it's fun to feel like n- nervous in that way. <laughs> okay, so there's a ton of rejection in acting and you're just waiting for a yes. Um, have you faced rejection in your pivot to documentaries and to um, journalism, I guess? And does it feel the same? Uh, it, it doesn't uh, sting as hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it feels like, uh, you know, 
I don't claim to be the most experienced director and I'm not a journalist. So I, I just kind of, and maybe it feels less precious to me. You know, I just sort of put it out there. Um, and if it's a yes, great. And if it's a no, it doesn't, it doesn't um, affect me as much. And so I'd imagine getting notes are the same, is similar. Like you're like, oh, okay, that's a good note. Yeah, I think you're also just so used to getting notes as an actor yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, yes, this is this is normal. This is what happens. Uh, um, and I've also been lucky to work with really great people that I think have sort of like helped me along. So um, I've never felt like, you know, I couldn't also ask for help. So many actors, I think, choose or try to write write things for themselves to star in. That is not what interested you. That's not the pivot you wanted to take. No. And what? why was that not a direction you wanted to go? I'm just curious. I'm not very savvy, I don't think. Um, I guess I'm not, a, I'm not very good at um, self-promotion. <laughs> well, you're not a fame-driven person. It's why I like you, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's why we're friends. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know the one uh, the one scripted thing. I directed a short film um, that was scripted, and I didn't cast myself in it. I mean, um, I don't know. Also, I've worked with enough uh, writer director uh, stars to see firsthand just how difficult that is, you know. Um, and so I think. I wanted to make it as easy as my, for myself as possible um, when I'm on set directing that I'm not also performing in it um, mm -hmm. because I've just seen how how much juggling you have to do at all moments. Um, so I yeah, I, I never it never occurred to me to write something for myself. I mean, but I do think that it's well. I actually think that in a way, what you did intuitively is a thing that fulfills you more. Like you you get acting jobs, right? And you yeah. enjoy and you take the ones that you're interested in and the characters interest you. But you also are a person that has this innate curiosity about things. Yeah, I think I've always had kind of um uh an insecurity about it too because I didn't go to an academic college and I don't have um any kind of academic background. So um, I've really had to like push myself to do it too, because I didn't feel like uh, I was smart enough or had the right education to do it. Every woman actor I know goes through this and legit not one of the men do. Absolutely. Every woman, not even just actor, every woman I know has, it's not even overprepared. It's like, you're like, before I do this job, I will know everything. And every yeah. man I've ever met is like, I don't know shit about that job, but I'm going to take it. And yeah, like, like I, I, know, I don't know shit about that job, but I know I can do it. Because why couldn't I do it? I can do everything. It's crazy. What did you do to prepare for uh, documentary directing? Well, you know, I, 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 I tried to read as many books as I could because I was also faced with this thing where I'm not, a STEM person. I don't know anything about computers. And not only do I not know anything about computers, I really don't know anything about computers from the 1950s. <laughs> These women were working on computers the size of rooms. Right. You yeah. know, um, so I talked to historians. 
I read histories. I read two separate biographies of her um, and, you know, just kept reading as much as I could. I, um, I also did a, a, there's a new doc series about Marvel comics. that's going to be on Disney plus this year. And I directed one of the episodes of that. And it, that's so cool. That's yeah, amazing. Once again, I knew nothing about comics, um, but it was the same producers as the, the Grace Hopper documentary. So uh, I had to start reading comics. And so I just tried to read as many comics as I could. I read a history, I read a history of Marvel comics as a company. Um, and just, uh, try to like, another thing is I try and if the person I'm interviewing has been interviewed before, I try to read and listen to as many yeah. interviews with them yeah. as possible. Cause you also sort of hear the questions they get asked all the time. You can tell sometimes this questions they're sick of getting asked. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you can sort of see like where it is that people aren't asking them. So Gillian, um, what is next? What are you working on? Are you, you're working on it. You're cutting something right now, aren't you? A documentary? Yes. That I don't think I can say yet what it is, but I'm working okay, on another that's fine. Doc, uh, Yes. Um, I, we recorded, I do, a, I do a scripted podcast called Blood Ties. So we recorded the second season from home. That's now out. Um, so people can listen to that. Um, I've been doing um, voiceover for animation jobs from home. Um, I haven't interviewed anyone since Hillary Mantle. So I, I should try and think of uh, who's the next person I'm going to get um, obsessed. I really, see, I, I really wanted to interview Olivia de Havilland, but she just mm. died. So oh. that had been my goal because I was I was fascinated not only by her as an actress, but she also, um, she changed California labor laws. She sued, I think it was Warner Brothers. Um, and so she changed what actor contracts were because they used to have these clauses where if uh, you were signed for, say, like a five-year deal and they mm-hmm. offered you films that you didn't want to act in, if you declined them, they kept adding time to your contract. So it wasn't Jesus. by the calendar year. It was by, like, the number of films you did for oh, Films yes. that you did? That's insane. Yeah, I think I'm getting that right. It might be incorrect, but I think that's essentially what the, it was. And she challenged it and she sued them and she won. So I really wanted to talk to her um, about that. So She's great. Yeah. Um, I have I have a question for you. Yes. I've been really thinking about you over quarantine, actually. Ha- how's your baking coming? Oh, my God. <laughs> the baking has come to a grinding halt. Um, I, I, I've learned how to make a French omelet, and that is the only thing I have done. Um, I, I, I had some early motivation to try and bake, and it all dissipated. Because do you mind my saying, like I, on Instagram, you always share your baking successes and failures. I'd say failures. I <laughs> managed to make a apple crumble that I somehow liquefied the center and it was like <laughs> applesauce encased in dough. Um, How did you do that? Great question. Uh, I also made waffles that were so disgusting, apparently, that Chris was, like, choking them down. I can teach you how to make waffles easily. No, it's so easy. If my mom can make that—oh, Barbara Phillips, I'm so sorry that I'm going to say this right now. But my mom is not a person who's, you know, into uh, cooking. 
<laughs> and, she, and those waffles are so good. Well, like cooking is improvisational. I feel like it, it's like it's doing improv and baking is science. It is STEM. Baking truly so is. It, it can really, and Shantira is a big baker. You and are? she cooks. Yeah. And does, oh my God. Yeah. Shantira's, Shantira's been a, a COVID baker that like yeah. that journey has really taken off. I'm like, yeah. cannot you know, wait not to taste any some pathetic sourdough. Stuff. No, so here's the thing. I don't like sourdough enough to make so many of them. People are like, I have four <laughs> loaves of sourdough. I'm like, I like a soft, sweet, like I grew up in the South. Give me like a golden corral yeast oh. roll. Like I want that dirty, dirty, two, two teaspoons of sugar per roll kind of bread. So like that's what <laughs> I've been making. I've been making like very soft Japanese milk buns. That's what I'm doing. I don't want that hard bread. <laughs> So you've so Gillian, you've given up on baking, but how is your sneaker habit going? And are you able to support it? She has a good sneaker game, y'all. Good. Yeah. So I I have a bunion. Um, and so the sneaker habit really kind of faded off once the podiatrist told me that I really need to be wearing orthotics all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> um so he informed me that I needed to wear orthotics. Um, and so now I just primarily wear Dansko clogs around the house because they are orthotic shoes. Uh, Those are cute. Yeah. He wanted me to wear Merrell's. That was his pitch. and I <laughs> That was, like, was his pitch? Yeah. I was like, they're so... So hard to look at. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible diagnosis. Yeah. That's like the worst. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that is also something where I... As an actress, now I just up front, I'm like, I have a bunion. <laughs> I can't wear heels. Also, when you just tell costume designers and directors up front, I have a bunion, I can't wear those shoes. It's pretty hard to come back with, you must. Um, yeah. And Busy knows how infrequently your shoes are actually on camera as an I actress. Mean. But my right. shoes, I'm such a person where my shoes inform my character. I have like a whole physical process for acting Guys, don't even fucking start with me, Casey, as you're laughing. Kate, you don't even know me as an actor. But like I'm, my- also la- I'm also laughing at Gillian's brand being like, I have a bunion, by the way. <laughs> like every every actor has like some diva thing and Gillian's is like, by the way, just FYI, I have a bunion. I have a bunion. <laughs> you have like, uh, another thing is I've, this is, so, who was going to care about this? But most mascaras run on me like they instantly- Me too, me too. So I, I I try to proactively tell them, this is the one mascara that works, Kevin Aquan. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes people just don't want to believe me. And oh. so the first day they will not mm-hmm. have gotten it. And they're just, by the end of the day, they're like, boy, you weren't kidding. Because every no, five I've had that. coming in, like, yeah. get it out. So here's what my question is for you, Gillian. I think you're a wonderful writer. Are you interested in doing like a biography of someone, are you interested in, or, or like, is there a Hedy Lamar biography? Yeah, Yeah, we're very obsessed with Hedy Lamar. I feel like people have now discovered her STEM um, connection and her connection to um, the the origins of Bluetooth technology. Have you thought about doing a book like based on like sort of putting together all of these things that you've been like researching and working on? Once again, the the first instinct is I'm not qualified to do that. I mean, that's insane. It's so fucking crazy. It would be such a good book too. You could just be like 
the women that stem for God, you know, by Gillian Jacobs or whatever. I, I tried to do um, that a few years ago. Um, and it's, it's it, I've, I found it very hard to do. But yeah, I have a whole list of people. Wait, why, what did you try to do a few years ago that was hard to do? Oh, more documentaries um, after oh, right. the Grace Hopper one. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so I have... And what was the biggest thing holding... Um, you back from that? Getting people to pay for it. <laughs> right. And, and when you would go, because documentaries are made all the time, right? Like, and when you would go to these companies and you would say, like, I want to make these female-focused, tell these female stories, these stories of women who were erased from the picture of, like, yeah. these achievements in STEM, what would be the response? Um, but can't you just have one that's about a man? <laughs> yeah, that's really. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, huh. you can't. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's the whole, that's the whole identity of the thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'll try again. I. Um, that must have been a fucking bummer. It was. It was because I felt like um, when people did see the one about Grace Hopper, they got so excited because it. You know, it really was. Even though she's the most famous woman in the in within the STEM world, she still isn't even white. Like this was yeah. a crazy thing to me. Was um, there is a there's a celebration of women computing that's named after her. It's called the Grace Hopper Celebration. And so I went to go film it, and I thought, oh, I'll just I'll be able to tell her story by just going up and interviewing women who are at this conference, and they'll know about her, and I can sort of you know have this chorus of voices no one there really knew anything about her. And they're at a, a celebration named after her. And um, and so that was shocking to me that even there within, you know, this community still, no one really knew anything about her. Well, we are in the middle of a revolution and a reckoning. And I bet you now is a good time for those people who said no to say <laughs> yes. To reconsider. <laughs> I also, I'm just going to throw this out there. I feel like, uh, I'm. It's really interesting in this in this time. I haven't been really into um, watching like narrative shows. I mean, I watched. I've watched a couple, like some really standout, fucking amazing things. But mostly, I've been watching documentaries. Yep. And like, yeah. I just am really interested in real people's stories of whatever. Let's do it, Gillian, let's do it. Because I think that that series should be made. Like, I want to watch it. I think it's important. Like, I think it's, and it's fucking bullshit that two years ago you were shot down after your work speaks for itself. That documentary was so good. And like, fuck these motherfuckers. We're going to get it done. (laughs) Um, We're going to get it done. Gillian, thank you so much. It was so nice to see you. It was so great to see all of you. So glad to see you again. Tell Chris I say hi and let's talk next week. Okay. Okay, bye. 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 Oh, functionofbeauty.com. Is that a good song for them? It's nice that you you, um, voluntarily write jingles for... I think it's nice. It's an added thing other podcast hosts don't do. You do know that functionofbeauty.com has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations... Um, for your hair. And how do they know how to put all those combinations together? Because you take a little quiz. 
and you tell them what you're dealing with in terms of your hair. And then they make sure that your formula is as unique as you are. It's a very quick but thorough quiz. Uh, Function of Beauty's team puts together the right blend of ingredients. They bottle your custom formula order and then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute little customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance and they print your name on it so you know it's yours. Your roommate can't use it because that bitch is always stealing your shampoo. She takes your shit all the time. And she's got to stop. Anyway... We love Function of Beauty in our house. If you've listened to the pod before and listened to this ad, you know that my daughter Birdie turned me on to Function of Beauty many moons ago. And it's become a real highlight in our house, especially when we were in that um, stay-at-home orders and getting to the store to buy shampoo and conditioner seemed not possible. It wasn't possible. And it didn't have to be because Function of Beauty just showed up for us. I got some eucalyptus on the way and my body is ready. Ooh. I can't wait. Mine I can't is, wait. Mine is peach and the bottles are so cute that I've started, I had to renovate my bathroom. You guys, I, I mean, I'm I'm into all of it. We love it. What are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash best to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash best for 20% off and then let them know that you heard about it from Busy Phillips is doing our best. That's functionofbeauty.com slash best. Guys, get on it. We love it customized hair care with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. And I'm telling you something, somewhere in there is mine and my daughter's. So (laughs) go look for that. So here's the deal. We talk about our therapists in here. Shantira and I have discussed it. Casey last week was like, and my therapist, Frasier reruns, which is funny, but also maybe, maybe not the best therapist, Frasier. Crane reruns. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree. Okay. So, but here's the deal. We're so excited uh, to tell you about Talkspace. Um, It's online therapy. It lets you connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. You match with your perfect therapist from the comfort of your device. You can reach out 24-7. You get access to the support you need with Talkspace. Message your therapist anytime. Get daily responses five days a week. A whole month of dedicated support costs as much as just one in-person session. Um, This is a really difficult time for so many people, for dare I say all of us. And uh, I'm going to say it, this is a really difficult time for all of us. And, uh, And I know that everyone can use some extra support somebody to talk to. And the truth is having a professional um, can be incredibly helpful in order for you to like, you know, honestly, like live your best life. But also if you're feeling, you know, some depression, anxiety, if you're dealing with substance abuse, trauma, relationship issues, food eating issues, and, you know, even more, the Talkspace Network is composed of thousands of licensed therapists that are experienced in treating those things. Um, It's secure and private. It uses the latest encryption technology to keep your information safe. I cannot impress upon you how important it is to take care of your mental well-being. People talk about me time. They talk about, you know, like... um, Self-care. 
self-care is a big thing. And like to it's self-care can be a bath with Epsom salts. Sure. But giving yourself somebody, a dedicated licensed therapist to talk to about what you're feeling and what you're going through and how you're dealing with this incredibly unprecedented, difficult time in the world. And also just in our own personal lives is invaluable. And that's like the most self-care you can do. So Talkspace, the support you deserve, a price everyone can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or by downloading talk the Talkspace app. And do not forget, you can use the promo code BEST, B-E-S-T, at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com, promo code BEST. Well, guys, I love her. I don't even... Who's typing? I can hear someone typing. Is that you, <laughs> Shantira? Yeah. Can, <laughs> you always do it. You always type. <laughs> and I'm like, stop returning the emails. Click, click, well, click, click, I have click, to click. tell somebody that I'm doing this right now, so they'll leave me alone. That's <sighs> what happened. Okay, if she well, was eating sense. a salad. <laughs> you know what, Casey? Rude. Also... Are we pitching Sakara this week? I do love the salads. Um, okay. <laughs> you know how much I love Gillian Jacobs? I didn't even like black out when she was talking about her bunion. Like just <laughs> like that's how endearing I find Gillian Jacobs. She talked at length about having a bunion and I didn't pitch a hissy fit. I know. And I can't even talk about my dead toenail without you oh, wanting to turn listen, the ear That's why you have to have off. multiple group chats because I'm very invested. Anytime a toenail falls off, I am so intrigued. Please let me know how it's going. I'm trying to find a new laser foot guy here in New York or woman person. I used guy in a generic, no gender way. I'm trying to find a laser toe person here in New York. So if you've got a good one, hit me up slide into those DMs, please, or just email me um, at busydoinghherbest at gmail.com with your recommendations for the laser toe fungus person that you like in New York City. All right. Um, <laughs> let's get to a letter. Dear Busy, Shantira and Casey, have I got a question for you. Even though I don't know you and will likely never meet you. I don't know. Don't be so sure about that. Yeah, no, you we'll be feel... Like my community, I loved watching you on E. Your show was my special treat for myself in rare moments when I found myself alone in my house without my husband or toddler. And now your podcast is one of my friends in these strange COVID end of world times. I find myself in something of an unwilling pivot right now. I'm a teacher, a high school English teacher to be precise. I love a teacher, guys. I'm just gonna, that's me interjecting. Yeah. I've always prided myself on building a little world in my classroom, a community of people who could talk about difficult things together, laugh really hard together and feel at home together. That's why English teachers are the best. I didn't always succeed in that, but I worked hard at it. Now in COVID times, I'm teaching a bizarre hybrid classroom with half of my students at home and looking at me through the screen and half of the kids in rooms wearing masks and sitting behind plastic barriers separated from me and from each other by six feet. The most important thing to me is that kids feel some kind of community in my room, but half of them aren't even in the room. They struggle to talk to each other through the slow Wi-Fi and the Chromebooks. I, I know that story well with my daughter and her school. And they can't see my whole face. And it's hard to hear each other. It's the worst. You ladies make me feel like I'm a part of your community, even though I can't see you. So what advice can you share for teachers like me and other people whose jobs have changed so that they're almost unrecognizable on keeping the heart of our jobs going? 
Thank you, Anne. Ugh. Anne, first of all, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Anne, thank thank you. you. You're working so hard. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start because I'm gonna say that like one thing I think that's a theme for all of us, but it's so easy to forget when you're talking about yourself is that this has never happened before. No one's ever done this, no one's ever attempted this. You might as well be doing a mission to Mars. You know what I mean? So every day on your feet as you're moving you're like trying to ride a bike and put pants on at the same time. This is the first time anyone's doing this. Right. So like just, you know, huge applause to you for, it sounds like you really care about it and like you really want to be good at a thing that I'm not sure we even know what being good at it means yet. Right. Like you're inventing it. And Mm -hmm. so just, you know, your kids are so lucky to have you as a teacher. And I think that's a pretty big deal. So maybe you're connecting with them more already than you even realize. Um, I mean, Casey nailed it. <laughs> One thing that I'll say is that um, my English teacher uh, growing up, Miss Hinley, was like so important to me. A lot of us would eat lunch in her room. Uh, and I don't know if this is like a weird suggestion, but like if there is uh, like once a week where your Zoom for your lunch, you just leave it open. And uh, if kids want to eat lunch with you, I think that's a fun way um, for you to kind of get the feel of an in-classroom experience without having to worry about it always being about work. That was always something that I would do. That was always something that really made me feel good, especially my senior year when I knew I wouldn't be eating lunch with her anymore so like I think that is a fun thing another thing I know that teachers are always doing so much work but like if there is an opportunity for you to make a little video of maybe what's happening during the week that way when things come um kind of undone or when wi-fi is not working because we don't provide wi-fi for everybody in every community so like the kids could just be like, I'm going to watch that video. And obviously every kid's not going to watch it. Every kid's not going to eat lunch with you. But I think it would make you feel better. And there's always one kid who literally will be like, oh, thank God I got I got Miss Ann's video or I'm going to eat lunch yeah. with her today. And and unlike when you're in actual high school, uh, people won't even know that they're in there if they're worried about being like considered a nerd you'll just be like it's open and they could be like oh i forgot it was open and then like you <laughs> could play it off really cool i love that shantara I, I think that. that's like such a great great idea i used to go eat with my drama teacher a lot yeah um yeah i love eating. that my so. English teacher was also my drama teacher in high school, Ms. Melanie sure, sure. Gallo. And she's a super important um, figure in my life as well. So I love that, Shantira. Um, what Ms. Melanie Gallo would do for me and for anyone else I know now, I thought it was just for me at the time, <laughs> is she would, uh, you know, she'd be walking up and down the rows during class and uh, just put a book on the corner of your desk. And I, the first time she did that, I said, oh, is this like, do I... I have to do a report on this. And she was like, no, no, I just finished reading it. And uh, I was thinking of you when I was reading it. And I thought, oh, Casey would love this book. So I just uh, brought it to pass along to you. And that was the first time I was like, felt like a person. You know what I mean? Like somebody with my own identity that a grown up saw. 
and um, to be thought of, to think that like a grown up was thinking of you when they were doing something for pleasure on their own time and to like pass it along to you. Oh my God, and- Casey's crying. I can't take it when <laughs> yeah. you cry. I love Miss Melly <laughs> so much. Yeah, I love Miss Hindley a lot. She was very, uh, she was great. I felt really seen and heard from that English teacher. And like, I also <laughs> felt like, smart because <laughs> mm-hmm. I could read a book and then have an opinion about it and she would respect it but also like it's very rare for you to like to eat lunch with a grown up and not feel like shit so <laughs> uh, just being I have like, to say oh. also Miss <laughs> Ann um, also like we have your email I like the idea that Casey just had but I also know how difficult it is with budgets and things now for teachers and that you have to provide so much for students. So like, let's reach out to Miss Ann and see if she has an Amazon wish list or something. Maybe we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to do some version of a combo of that, which was like, I always loved um, reading books that were not required for school and like book club. I always wanted Mm -hmm. to be in a book club, but like, those don't really exist for high school students. And one time I tried to join the one at Brentano's and it was just like a bunch of middle-aged women and me like reading the girl with the pearl earring. <laughs> you know? And like, um, so I just feel like, I feel like that's a cool thing too. Like you could, to, to cultivate like a sense of community, like everybody loves clubs. Like everybody wants to belong to a club, you know? Mm-hmm. So it could be like, lunchtime book club we talk about books or the show that you recently binge watched or you know whatever like you guys could like it could be up to the kids like what kind of thing that you discuss because also like if you're talking about like (sighs) tv shows even like breaking down story structure and television shows and movies and like thematics of shows and things like that's all English right you know what I mean so like it's still there's there's a way to engage on that level maybe it's like the lunchtime I don't know maybe there's a a way to do it all to do it all let's do it all for you (laughs) well Miss Melanie Gallo we love you Mrs. Corsino (laughs) is my favorite teacher from fourth grade Miss Hindley 10th grade (sighs) senior year I love you and also (laughs) Mrs. Howard I ate lunch in Mrs. Howard's drama room in middle school after I dislocated my knee and I was a pariah and um all right guys we love you you're all doing your best we're gonna be back next Wednesday please email us busydoinghebest at gmail.com for advice or thoughts or feelings. Um, follow us on Instagram at BP is doing her best. Um, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe and, and download the pod. We love you so and Tell your friends much. you love them. And tell your friends you love them. It's important to tell people you love them. It and really you, is. And if you're not an emotional place to do that, give them a book. <laughs> Say, I was just thinking about you, boo. Yeah. Here's a book. <laughs> um, guys, that's it. We love you so much. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, no.